All right, welcome to Beyond, uh, not better, but Beyond Counterfeit Culture. Um, we are hitting a little bit beyond, a little bit deeper on the counterfeit culture series Pastor's been going about. Now, this is summarizing his whole series, not just one at a time, because we started the podcast after he started the series. So we're going to do a little bit of a recap, but we really also want to focus on going deeper and beyond and not just recapping, because you could easily just go back and watch all the sermons, which are all available on YouTube, on the podcast, wherever you go. And just a little shout out to Spotify. If you listen to the podcast on Spotify, we also have polls on there so you can take votes and stuff, like whether you like the topic cool. or what you want to hear next time. So check out Spotify uh, for our Beyond series. This is Beyond Counterfeit Culture, and I'll let Pastor take it from here. All right. Welcome, everyone. So glad you're joining us today. Our uh, overall vision, of course, is to dig a little bit deeper. And since we didn't do the book of Hebrews last week because of the holiday, then we're going into the counterfeit culture. And we just finished it yesterday. So uh, this is kind of a, a quick overview. I know most of you probably already heard the sermon, so we're not like going to teach them over again. But I told the guys, let's approach this so that we do have an overall review of the whole series, but then also get different perspectives because you've always heard my perspective, what's in my mind, how the Holy Spirit has spoken to me, how it has come out in my preaching. But I know that different people have different uh, revelations. They have different insights. So today we're going to hear some key takeaways, not only my key takeaway, but Pastor Michelle's and Pastor Bailey's key takeaways from the whole series. Just real quick, and we'll make this uh, comprehensive in case someone's watching or listening to this and you're not even familiar with the series. Uh, we based our series off of the book by Jonathan Kahn, and I don't have a physical copy of the book because I have the Kindle version, and I'll show you the uh title the cover of the book here's the book that i had as a reference return of the gods by rabbi jonathan khan and basically the um premise of the book and the series was that uh, all the stuff that we're seeing in our world today everything that's evil everything that's from from satan everything that's disrupting culture and offering a uh, a cheap counterfeit culture rather than kingdom culture. These things are not new. They didn't come up overnight. It's not an invention of sophisticated modern thinking. All of these things had literal demonic origins in the uh, in the world. And uh, the, uh, the uh, nation of Israel was told, and the key verse was in Deuteronomy, where it says they worshiped these demon gods, these shadim, these these principalities and powers and they gave them authority because they worshiped them and they honored them and uh, then that created an influence uh, you may have heard me say a spirit is an influence so get away from the idea that a spirit is uh, someone dressed up in a red suit with a pitchfork and a tail uh, you know Satan is not that obvious. He he comes dressed as an angel of light. Uh, of course, he's an angel of darkness, but tries to deceive. So we picked out three, and there could be more. Uh, there could be all kinds of other demons that have influenced culture over the years. But we picked out the three, Baal, Ishtar, and Molech. And uh, I used Dr. Jonathan Kahn's terms. He called them um, the, um, the, the possessor, 
the Enchantress, and the Destroyer. And uh, Baal was the first one. Of course, he's the big, uh, the big main false god of the whole Old Testament. He's the one that uh, Elijah had the confrontation with on the uh, Mount of Carmel. And um, he defied the prophets of Baal, and 450,000 of them gave their lives because we know that only one God answers by fire. And then we talk about Ishtar, which was all of the sexual, perverted, uh, sensual concepts that were brought into the counterfeit. And then we finished, or well, we didn't finish, but the third one was Molech, which is the human sacrifice demon, which then brought in context from abortion, brought in context from all kinds of other human, um, what's the word, human um, suffering, human, human. Uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of, guys? Uh, human injustice, all kinds of things that are, are done against people because people are created in the image of God, and right. Satan right. hates people right. because they're created in God's image. So um, before we go into the main three things that you guys take away and what I take away, Let's just kind of dialogue here a little bit. Um, I appreciate the feedback I've had from the series. A lot of people have been commenting to me about it. I think it was something that people enjoyed. It did last a long time. Sure. We started way back. Honestly, the first message, you may not have realized that was actually part of the series, but way back in February was the message, the culture of the kingdom, because our intention was to contrast kingdom culture with counterfeit culture. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, if you want to take this as a quick takeaway, what's the uh, quick um, vision, the quick dream, the quick um, concept of kingdom culture? It's from the words of the Apostle Paul. The kingdom consists of righteousness, peace, and joy right. in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. So that's kingdom culture. Anything Satan offers is going to be not righteousness, right. not peace, yeah. not joy. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, Babylon does not sound like righteousness, peace, and joy. Right. It's pretty much the opposite. <laughs> yeah, that. right. Yeah. So actually, uh, off tangent, but Marathon and I were looking at carpet today, and one of the brands was Babylon. I'm like, oh, we've got to, <laughs> we've got to stay away from this one. Um, I'm not going to buy that yeah, stuff. I don't want to get that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it's good. Um, when I don't I do mean think to interrupt of, you, but why would a marketing company name their product carpet. Babylon? Let alone carpet. What does I, that I have know. to do with anything? I think maybe the color, like Babylon is ancient, mainly stones, so beige colors. I, th I think that's where they're going with it, but yeah, <laughs> me as a as a Christian, I was like, Babylon, Babylon carpet, yeah. It's that. like, why would you name a car Chevy? You know, I mean, it's just, it just makes <laughs> no marketing sense. You don't want that thing. Um, but yeah, with, with Babylon, I think, you know, looking at patterns... Um, it is the exact opposite of what God promises right. that he's going to be. So it's clearly Babylon is a bad example. Um, did people have joy? Um, well, the people in charge, I guess, that are right. overlording <laughs> over other people and suppressing right, them. Sure. Like what Pastor was saying before, one of the, one of the gods, it's like the goal is, um, well, I'll live a better life at the cost of someone else's life. Right. You know, like I'll, I'll overrule them and... Um, it, with with the Egyptians when they're actually overruling over the the Jews there, it even says it in a certain way. I forgot how it was, but it's using repetition. It's saying um, the Egyptians they enslaved the Jews. They were finding new ways to do this, new ways to do that, and they're basically saying the Egyptians were very crafty on finding a bunch of different ways to help themselves by enslaving the Jews. Right. And different, it basically said 
Mm. They're enslaving the Jews like five times, but in different ways. Just to drive home the point, the Egyptians are using the Jews right. through enslavement, making them do labor of all kinds of different things for their benefit. And it was bad. So Bible paints a picture clearly. Anytime we push other people down for our betterment, you're in the wrong lane. Right. And it's not yeah. going to end with joy. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, and it's almost, I mean, what you were saying, it hit me the other day that, you know, Satan has no creative ability whatsoever. You know, we talk about creative, right. being creative a lot that, you know, God is the ultimate creative when we're talking about making music or graphics or, mm -hmm. you know, photography or videography, whatever. Um, you know, that ultimately all of that inspiration comes from God because he is the ultimate creative. And in fact, there was a, a, an account in the Old Testament of Solomon and, you know, his temple. And there was a, a um, another queen who came to visit him and just the sheer creativity and beauty of the mm -hmm. temple that they had. She was like, your God is real. Right. Like because right. she was able to see the creativity. And queen so, of Sheba. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. we, we've talked about that a lot. And so it's just interesting then you know, Satan has no creativity of his own sure. and can only try to copy, you know, what you right, counterfeit, you know, what God mm -hmm. has already done. Um, and so kind of along the lines of what you were saying, that it's yeah. a, a weak and cheap imitation, yeah. you know, of what God has already done. Yeah. So we thought it might be good to give you our three main takeaways, uh, what the whole series, and, and I'll go first, you probably maybe already picked up on this from me in preaching and teaching. Obviously the whole thing I felt was was uh, very eye-opening, but I would have to confess or admit that the key thing that really struck me the strongest was the fact that all the stuff sexually that we're seeing in the culture yeah. today, the sexual perversion, the sexual blending, the sexual uh, misidentification, the sexual transgendering, all of that, it's not new. Right. It, it didn't come up in the last 10 years. It actually has very, very ancient origins. Right. And this, this one uh, demon goddess, Ishtar, if you study it, and I bore it out a little bit in the Sunday, and I didn't spend a lot of time on it. We could have done three or four messages just on that. But in the book that I referenced, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, he, he goes into it much deeper, that this demoness, demon goddess Ishtar was known, believed to be able to have the ability to transform people from one gender to another. Now, I guess we could debate whether that could really be possible or not. Uh, if it were possible, if there was historical evidence, we obviously know it would have been by demonic power, right. by right. doctrines of demons. But um, um, I'll just read a, a, a little portion here. This is not what I covered, but just in addition, Ishtar was a sorceress. She was known for her powers to alter people's affections, passions, thoughts, and at time their essence. We are now about to see how, as a sorceress, she would alter more than human relationships mm -hmm. and institutions in the modern world, something even deeper. If the sexual revolution was the first of her renewed works, this would be her second. The second, though connected to the first, would open up a different realm. It would alter human desire human identity and human nature itself. This transformation would follow after the goddess's own nature. And there was something different about Ishtar. And uh, that, that whole idea of um, 
just confusion and perversion and um, misuse of, of, I said something yesterday, uh, I'm sure everyone heard it, but you may not have really stopped to think about it because I didn't pause to think about it. Every misuse of sex is selfishness. I don't know if you guys heard that. Every misuse, and I said it in reference to the book of Revelation, calls Babylon the harlot, and that's misuse or, or perversion of sexuality. Everything that God intended was for pleasure and procreation. But when it's perverted, if it's for pleasure only, if it's for illicit pleasure, if it's for these perversion things, every misuse of sex, of sex is for, for selfishness. And, and this Ishtar uh, came and her influence has caused, uh, man, we've got thousands of years now of human history of perversion and of um, just all kinds of um, degenerative uh, yeah, behaviors. Right. Um, I love for years that you've been using that word um, perversion. Um, and I just looked it up real quick on the, on the, you know, the definition using Merriam-Webster or whichever your preferred is. But the first uh, definition here is perversion is the alteration of something from its original course, meaning or state, to a distortion or corruption of what was first intended. So kind of what Pastor Bailey was saying is that, you know, Satan, the enemy, has no real creativity. It's like, let's just take something that already exists that God made and let's twist it and then make it mean something that it didn't really mean and convince people this is the way. Or there's there's even people out there that believe that, well, really, if you look at it, the Bible is trying to reveal to us that Lucifer's the real God <laughs> yeah. and, and Yahweh is the one that like threw him down and shouldn't have done that. And, and they're trying to like literally take it and just let's right. flip it around. And it some people are convinced. They're like, that makes sense. And um, the biggest weapon the enemy has is to take what God has given and twist it mm -hmm. and convince people that he's speaking the truth, which then it's not. And it, usually right. the sad thing is in the end, right. people are convinced of this is the truth. Right. And then it doesn't get real, revealed until the end when it's too late. Right. Um, and so that's, that's a sad reality for this. Right. And I, I love, um, and we've said this phrase before, you know, that everything that happens on the earth is because of either the initiation or the passivity of the church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think as a widespread, the overarching church, I think we've gotten a lot better at this. But, you know, I, I remember growing up in youth group, it was, we don't talk about sex. We don't talk about it all. It's sure. bad, period, end of the story. And so there was no, and you mentioned this on Sunday, Pastor, of, you know, and you said it specifically in regards to pornography, but like this is something that the church has got to start sure. talking about. Sure. Right. Because right. the culture is not sitting back and saying, well, you know, this is inappropriate or, you know, we shouldn't, you know, be talking about this. And so now all that's out there is a corrupted version of it and and the church has mm -hmm. been so passive in addressing it right. that now it's allowed for all of this other stuff to happen and and it's not a matter of it is a matter of right and wrong but it's also a matter of you know pastor you always go back to someone's image of this it's right. literally an attack on someone's image yeah um and a misuse corruption of that person's yeah. image in god um and using that word um i don't know if you just said it now too um but pastor use it on sunday talking about that your moral compass would, would mm -hmm. be gone. If, right. if you don't acknowledge the Bible, don't 
believe in God, there really is no moral compass. It's going to end up being, well, you, you might convince yourself you have moral compass, but as soon as there's something where like, well, I really want to do this, you'll right. convince yourself, ah, this is the right thing. Yeah. And it's, I've always said this to a bunch of people, excuses sound best to those who make them. Right. When you say something, of <laughs> course it makes sense cool. to you, but someone <laughs> on the outside is like, that's just an excuse, right? And so I imagine almost like, you know, you can have a pickup game of basketball, soccer, whatever, and you have two teams that are playing each other and it's fine. When it's a professional game, you have a ref. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because, well, if the two teams are like, well, that's a foul, it's like, <laughs> oh, now it's a foul? When I did it, it wasn't, but when you did it, it is. Because we are so right. selfish in nature that if we don't have something to check us, such as a ref, which is what the Bible is, is what Jesus is, he's like, this is right. the way, I'm the one that sets the rules, and you gotta follow my rules, or you're playing the wrong game. And right. It's not going to work. Yeah. You know, I'm Pastor Michelle. You prompt something in my mind. I'm older than you guys, obviously, and you guys probably even know, don't even know this name. But there was an NBA player that was really popular many, many years ago. Rick Barry. I don't know if you knew of Rick Barry. You've ever heard of Rick Barry? In my opinion, he's the only NBA player that was in search of his first legitimate foul. I mean, this guy he could knock somebody flat on their behind, and then he would. No, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. It was. Hilarious. Yeah. That's awesome. Cristiano so, Ronaldo. Yeah. 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 Wow. So we're going to go to a couple of other points here in a moment, but not to uh, to linger on this too long. This is a little bit maybe graphic, or but it's pretty precise. Uh, this is back to Ishtar. In her link to the planet Venus, she was known as the morning star, but also the evening star. Now listen to this. In this was a clue into her nature, duality. She would inhabit the two ends and polar opposites of the spectrum. She was on one hand the goddess of love, beauty, allurement, and female sex sexuality, but on the other hand, she embodied and personified ferocity, aggressiveness, violence, battle, war, and destruction, characteristics and elements typically associated with masculinity. So on one hand, she was known as a naked woman in jewels, the goddess of sexuality, while on the other hand, an armored fighter, a symbol of war. She was in one entity, the embodiment of both male and female. Hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's historically what, what uh, the, 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 um, the revelations of her were. Right. And we can see how that then created opened the door for this twisted sure. perverted right. thinking that well you can just kind of you know it's a gender blender it's a transformation yeah. it's a it, it's just it's right. it, to me it just it's hard to wrap your brain around yeah, sure. people's thoughts today it really is right well and it's interesting that um she was also that i like that word that you used that he wrote the ferocity or I forget the exact tense of the word, but right. because you look at, you know, some court hearings and stuff of, you know, these people who are wanting drag shows and strip shows right. in elementary school and then they're told no. Yeah. And then there's literal like demonic oh, yeah. screeching sure. in the court. And you're like, what in the, like, how did it, yeah. we were having a normal conversation and I told you no. And then all of a sudden this wild, th you know, and you're like, how could that happen? And then you read that, you know, she had that duality, the influence, and it's like, right. That Satan makes sense. doesn't like it when he doesn't get his way. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, right. I, I don't know if we're ready for our... Yeah, whichever one of you yeah. guys want to go next, first. let's jump into uh, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll your main takeaway. Just sure. it sparked my the sure. mind with you saying trials and, and you know, you go into court. Um, one of the biggest things to me um, that just always sparks my interest, it, even in movies, I love when there's like... 
time travel or different things happening and you're like, oh, you're you're catching this pattern, that pattern, foreshadow and all those different things. I love that. And the Bible uses that a lot to teach lessons over right. and over again. Um, we obviously have where um, the, 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 the fallen spirits come down and try to procreate with, with mankind and God says, this is not good. Take them all out. <laughs> and then we have Sodom and Gomorrah and it's like, man, going to the two spirit beings, like, let's take them out and let's do some things. And God is clearly like, this is not the thing to do. And then we even have, um, you know, the Tower of Babel itself, man trying to get into the spirit. It's like forcing man with spirit and doing it our way does not work. Right. There's only one connection. And through the Bible, we found out it's Jesus. But there's repeating like lessons of the same exact topic mm -hmm. over and over again. And I think sometimes those things are historical and they're almost like, prophetic or they are prophetic and um certain prophecies happen over and over again and certain things happen over and over again if we don't learn our lessons and i believe one of those things is is the sons of ham and and, and so like the, how the enemy kind of goes through that and we have um haman that eventually gets hung when when he basically challenges esther and the jewish people and says hey king it's all the jews faults let's just kill all the jews because they're dirty people it's all their fault everything that's our problem is their fault and when you think about that now, it's like who and more closer to our time was a person that said, it's all the Jews fault. They're dirty people. They're, they're just, just take them all out. Well, it was Hitler. Right. And so I, I personally believe the reason why Hitler potentially could exist is maybe he's part of that same bloodline. They were never taken out and they, the enemy just keeps rising up. And um, the reason why that sparked my thought one time is I noticed here in Esther, um, let's see, chapter nine, this is after Haman was already hung. Um, it talks about here later on. I'm trying to find the exact verse. But it basically says later on, the Jews commanded um, the sons of Haman to be hung, and it was 10 sons. And that's mm. after Haman was already hung. He was already executed. And now later on, they do the 10. What happened in, 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 the, in the German history with the Nazis? Well, Hitler died. Then they had the Nuremberg trials. So the Jews here, they basically took over and they're like, okay, what are we gonna do now? They're almost having their own trials and they decide 10 sons of Haman are gonna have to go. And in the Nuremberg trials, they're like, here's the decisions. This is what we're gonna do with the Jews, like low rank soldiers, high rank. And they took the 10 highest ranking and they're like, we're gonna hang them. Wow. And to me, I'm like, right. the people that were trying to suppress and kill the Jews super wrongfully, like just making things up, painting them as like the worst of the worst, there had to be some kind of spirit in them. It wasn't, I don't think they even literally believed it themselves. Right. It's like there had to be something evil in them that was just like, we want to kill all the Jews. So to me, that is like the biggest takeaway with, with Pastor's okay. series here is that things repeat. And if we right. don't notice it, everyone knows this, history will repeat itself. Right. So what can we do? What do we need to look out for so that me and my family, me and my generations are not going to have to live under this Babylonian curse. Right. I'm not going to be a part of it. Right. Well, and, and I um, found the verse that you were talking about just for anybody who is interested because it is important to know like the exact portion of scripture. It's verse 10 in that, that mm -hmm. portion and stuff, but which is kind of, anyways, we don't get into numerology, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think something that we've kind of lost that the, the Jews did a really good job of um, was building like physical altars mm -hmm. to remind themselves yeah. of yeah. their history and of things that happened. And we kind of, you know, if you've ever been to Washington DC or Philadelphia or, you know, some of the mm -hmm. older colonies, yeah. um, there is a lot of history 
which one of the most forefront, you know, uh, cancel culture movement things that's happening is they're wanting to get rid of all of that because it's offensive. And so they're wanting to forget history in the name of this person did something wrong. And it's like, yeah, but you can't, you can't go back and rewrite history. Yes, what they did might have been wrong, but we can learn from that. Um, and so I think it's super important and everyone kind of has different ways. Pastor Genesis and I have talked about this, but, um, one thing that we like to do is, which is a very, um, pastor would call it a millennial thing to do, but, (laughs) but we get tattoos when there's a, 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 like God just shows up and does something incredible and it changes our lives. And so we go and, and we get a tattoo because it's a permanent thing that we can look back on and we can say, remember when God did this? Right. Like when um, I went on my first mission trip, I got a tattoo of Isaiah 6, 8 on my ankles. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, all of these things so that we can look back. And I think that that's something that's so important that is, you know, kind of that, you know, how do we not forget? How do we, yeah. you know, remember so that the future generations, because that's what the altars were from with the Jews as well, was not just for me, but also for my generation, right. for the next generation and the generation right. after and the generation Don't after. Don't forget this lesson we've learned. Right, exactly. And so. Um, Very cool. Well, we yeah. talked a little bit before we hit the record button, so it's not like I read his mind, but I knew what Pastor Michelle was going to kind of uh bring up today so i looked up a verse which i think is very significant first corinthians chapter 10 i do not want you to be unaware brothers that our fathers were all under the cloud they all passed through the sea they were all baptized into moses in the cloud and in the sea they all ate the same spiritual food they drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was christ nevertheless with most of them god was not pleased and then here's what it says in verse six now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did now paul goes on and lists and i've preached this before he lists four major areas that the people in the old testament messed up in and he said these are four major areas that you need to be aware of uh, idolatry immorality i'm not going to preach into that right now but that point is these things are written as examples yeah, right. uh, these are reminders and um, just real quick and then we can maybe throw it over to to bailey's takeaway as we don't want to go too long but uh, a lot of people are starting to say today concerning america that we better start taking note of the potential of history repeating itself some of the greatest nations in the world and and um you know you you have german roots you have german history some of the same origins we think how could nazism have ever even happened how is that possible well they trace it and uh one of the first things was taking away weapons the people were no longer to protect and defend themselves and and there are very documented historical things that took place and uh, I'm full in agreement. We need to be aware because uh, history could repeat itself okay. and America could definitely go the wrong way. Yeah, it was take away the guns. And then one of the other ones, what, the big ones is um, taking away literature that was mm. against what the right. government wanted. Yeah, sure. So now sure. all religious books Controlling the are narrative. gone. Right. And then whatever else they thought was a, a threat to the government. Right. So, wow. And we've, we've seen that. Yeah. Well, and what's crazy is, you know, it wasn't just that one time though that all of that stuff happened. I mean, you look at any dictator who has come into power mm-hmm. and it's like the same first three steps. 
And it's the same thing that you were saying about scripture. It just repeats over and over and over yep. and over again. And you're like, how have we not learned mm-hmm. how in the world? Yeah. And then we kind of make fun of the Israelites because they do the right. same thing over. We do. And we're like, how could they do this? And then yeah. we do the same thing. Yeah, and I'm just, again, I don't want to go too off tangent, but what we're talking about, like, it just repeats and repeats and repeats. And that's what, what gets me. So take their weapons. Uh, uh, what, what do we say to take their weapons? Take literature. away their literature, or you could say almost like you know culture. Right. Um, Control the media. Even in that yep. art, yep. right? Yep. So like the Nazis, if you ever watch any World War II movie, they're all about no matter what country they're in, they're taking over Africa, Poland. They're always playing German music. They're always doing this. Right. They would never play a Polish song. They would never, you know, <laughs> it's our right. culture or right. nothing. So what? Right. Imagine what they probably did. Right. They destroyed that art. Now think about to the Jewish people. We talked about this recently. How much ancient Jewish art can you find and look at? Almost almost nothing. Not a lot. Because every single time the Jewish people were attacked, all their stuff was just destroyed. Right. Like all of it. And then the people that survive, the kind of remnants, and they just regrow right. and regrow. But they have they lose everything that they used to have. Right. So it's just interesting that the enemy again has the same tactics over and over again. Right. And it's to take yeah. your culture, take your art, <laughs> take your literature. And that's another identity. verse. That's another verse in the Apostle Paul's letters to the Corinthians that uh, we are not to be ignorant of his devices. Right. King James Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. Uh, modern translations say we know how he operates. We know how he functions. And it, like you said, even though the church at large knows it, <laughs> the church at large falls for it over and over right. and over again. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll yeah. finish off with mine. My yes, major sir. takeaway, um, which I said when we were talking a little bit earlier, you hit more on this last teaching, um, but it's kind of been a theme throughout um, the, the whole series. The thing that really hit me was the deception of the um, picture of sin that's painted when we're being enticed, right? The the idea that mm-hmm. sin for a moment when we're being tempted, it looks pleasurable. It looks desirable. Right. Sure. But at the end of the day, Satan doesn't give a rip about yeah. any of right. us. There's no desire for us to benefit from any of it, yeah. but that's the deception. And and what really right. got me thinking about that was um, when you were talking about the, the Babylonian religious system um, that in the end days, it's going to make this uh, almost covenant contract with the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And um, they'll kind of be in cahoots together. And then sure. at the end of the day, the he Antichrist is going to do a 180 flip on them and completely mm-hmm. destroy all of them yeah. um, because of his selfishness. But but kind of that idea of when, when sin is presented, it always looks like it has right. this appearance of, well, this is for my benefit or this is for my bettering or this, yeah. you know, there's something to it. But at the end of the day, um, in James chapter one, verse 15, or starting in uh, uh, 14, uh, I think it puts it really well. Uh, it says, or I guess 13, it says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Mm-hmm. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire and I want to pause there for a second. I've never desired something that looks ugly. Like right. if you talk about food, sure. right? Something that looks disgusting, uh, I'm going right. to be like, no, that looks gross. So the the right. indication that there's a desire means that it looks yeah. pretty. It looks yeah. nice mm-hmm. for a moment, right? Um, when he's lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. 
and sin when it is fully grown brings forth yeah. death right and right. it's that that end of we we just have to remember that mm-hmm. you know we know right from wrong when yeah. we're in god's word when we're in communion with one another mm-hmm. when we're yeah. you know studying his word we know right from wrong and so then when wrong comes up we need to keep that like right. forefront of this is going to turn it's on good. right without god's filter some things look good and they're really not right which the way you use the word look is really great because that's literally the word it uses when it says eve looked upon the the tree or the fruit right. and then she saw it was good but right. you know it's not literally good it was just it looked good right and the same thing when um um lot looked upon the land he saw oh this land is good right and then it's funny because there's a little side note in the middle of the verse I mean, it is a verse. It's not like a parenthesis. Right. It is a verse. And it says, this will be the place where Sodom and Gomorrah will be destroyed. Um, <laughs> let's go back to the story. It's literally how it's... So it's, right. he saw it was good, but he didn't know what the end product would be. Right. And so we have to use that filter, like what you're saying, like being the word, being the scriptures. And it's almost putting, like, putting on glasses. and Like, oh, this is clearly not good. I didn't realize that first. Right. So pretty right. cool point. I like it. And, and something that... Uh, I've been learning recently too is it it's not just the things that in our minds are explicitly sin Mm -hmm. and I I say that I don't think there's really much gray area as far as sin goes in God's word I think a lot of times we make excuses and we read it as if it were gray area but really there's not right Um, but there are those things that we would say well that's not explicitly sin But I think our excuse for those things is always it looks good for a moment. But again, even with those things, it's like, but but recognize that the end of this is going to lead to death. I'm remembering the evangelist Steve Hill definition of sin. Anything that Jesus wouldn't do. Right. (laughs) That that, that pretty well opens it up, doesn't it? Anything that Jesus wouldn't do. Or if he was in the room, would you still do that thing? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he is. Well, these are good insights, good takeaways. Appreciate you guys uh, bringing those out because I told them, you know, they're uh, every person has different um, mindsets, different uh, 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 imaginations, different uh, creative processes in their own brains. And I kind of wanted to hear what other people were, were saying about the series because you've all heard <laughs> what I have to say. But uh, I, I hope it's uh, evident, and you have probably already know, that next series we're going to go into, is there is there a biblical model of someone that we can use as an example to live above reproach in a wicked world. Mm-hmm. How can we live in Sodom without, or, or Babylon without it affecting us? Mm-hmm. And of right. course, the one that uh, stands out is, is Daniel, right. because right. he literally was exiled in Babylon, literally the, the ancient Babylon environment with Nebuchadnezzar, and yet he did not lose his identity. So that's where we're going to go in a few weeks. And uh, I'm excited about the series, excited about the podcast. Uh, Share it with your friends. Um, Help us build our audience. Uh, This is spontaneous. We don't plan per se everything we're going to sit down and say. Uh, Today, we just said, let's kind of approach it like this and let's bring out some different uh, key points from the series that we finished up. But uh, I think it's very significant. And uh, share it with your friends. Uh, post it on social media. Help us build the audience. And uh, we're going to try to be real consistent. And we plan to come to you every week. Yeah. All right. So, uh, again, remember, on Spotify, we can have a, uh, a poll. 
so we can ask you questions there. I don't know if they have a write-in answer, but if they do, I'll put on a, a question in there, something along the lines of, what was your key takeaway uh, from the Counterfeit Culture series? And then you can just answer it right there. Um, if there's not a fill-in, I'll put in um, my take, uh, Pastor's take, and Bailey's take, and you can vote which one you uh, you, you uh, <laughs> sided with the most or agreed with. Um, and we'll, we'll play around with that. So again, check out Spotify or wherever you listen to it. It's uh, really awesome. You can listen to it while you're driving around, while you're doing the dishes, while whatever you're doing. You just plug in your ears. Very cool. And dig deeper and go beyond what our church is already going. Be more in tune with the heartbeat of the church because we know what we're teaching. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. So this is, again, Beyond Series Counterfeit Culture episode, only episode because we're recapping it. And uh, see you on the next one.